The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to the crowds, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, And they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except him who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down from heaven, that a man may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. So as we move along in this beautiful Eucharistic discourse of Jesus Christ, uh, the more opposition that he meets, the more he clarifies the mystery. So he simply re-emphasizes the beautiful mystery of what he is going to give to the church the mystery of his love, the sacrament of his love, his body, blood, soul, and divinity, his whole self under the form of bread and wine. And so it is this mystery of love that he now continually re-emphasizes, but also now states explicitly in today's gospel. The bread which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Completely shocking. I don't think we are sufficiently shocked at that now because we've kind of grown up in the faith with these mysteries. Sometimes we say them uh, kind of in a rote way, but we don't really comprehend how shocking this would have been for those who heard it. What they have just said before is they said, how can he give us or how can he be this bread of life? And then they say, isn't this Joseph's son? And so what St. Thomas Aquinas says is that they begin to grumble against Christ because they neither understand him nor even desire the gift that he is wanting to give. So because of their lack of understanding, they have a lack of desire. And that is a a principle in the spiritual life, is that we can only love what we know, and we can only love truly what we know truly. And so they are ignorant even of the uh, Christ's life as a man, as he has come to us as man, It shows that they don't even understand him on that level. How can they hope to understand him as God? And so they say that is not this Joseph's son? They do not even understand his earthly generation. How can they understand his eternal generation from the Father? And so I think what's helpful then is as the church in her wisdom always associates the first reading with the gospel to give us a lens by which we can enter into the gospel, what we have is that very profound scene from the Acts of the Apostles of Philip explaining the scripture to the eunuch. And then what happens is after the understanding, there is a baptism and a sacrament, and then he is taken away mysteriously uh, from the presence of this same eunuch. One scripture scholar that I was reading uh, kind of had a particular focus on Luke and the Acts of the Apostles, just because the tradition holds that he is the author, obviously, of both. 
And so he notes that there is a similarity between the road to Emmaus and this scene that we have today. And so in the road to Emmaus and in this particular scene, you have two journeys that are taking place. And on this journey, you have someone who does not understand the scriptures and someone who appears mysteriously, meets them on the way, and begins to explain the scriptures to them. In the first scene, it is Christ. In the second scene, it is one of his disciples. And so what we see in this mystery is the way in which the Lord continues his work through his church, through the beautiful mystery of the fact that we have uh, what we do have is the way in which Christ continues that work of salvation through us. And so what happens is Philip draws near as Christ drew near to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he begins to open the Scriptures. And so the Scriptures are open and understood specifically in the light of Christ. And what happens is, is that then after the Scriptures have been opened, they arrive at a destination. In Emmaus, it is at the town to which they were going. Here it is they come to a body of water. And so the scenes culminate in a certain sense with a sacramental mystery. In the road to Emmaus, it is in the Eucharist. Here on this road, it is baptism. But what you have is that you have this desire that increases the more that Jesus is understood. And the desire that increases is for what should be desired in the human heart, Christ himself and his gifts. And so what you see here is as the scriptures are opened for the eunuch, he wants to be baptized. And he wants to do it immediately. You can tell his heart burns for the sacrament in the same way that the disciples on the road to Emmaus burned. Their hearts burned within them as the scriptures were explained. They have a right desire that has been put into their hearts and so they want the right things. And so then as we look and we come into the gospel today, you have this mystery, which is, as St. Thomas says, they do not desire the right things, which is why they grumble. And so the Lord, in order to correct their hearts, he stops them from grumbling, and then it comes into the words that we pick up with in the gospel today. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. So you have this beautiful unity of will between the Father and the Son, that whoever the Father draws to Christ, he will raise up. He and the Father work together in this beautiful mystery of our salvation. We know that they desire that all come to the truth and to grace. And so it is for us as well to participate in this work as the Father draws us to the Son, not, as Christ says, that we have seen the Father, but that it is something that is beyond our capacity. We need God to act in us. We need God to work in us, and we need to make ourselves docile to that work. We are still free in our will, and that can both end well for us or badly. When we are docile to the work of God and what He wants to do in us, then we are truly led towards that goal to which we are made, which is Christ himself, apart from whom no one comes to the Father. And so the Lord is now explaining this beautiful mystery of being drawn to him himself. And so as some of the church fathers say, and it's reiterated by St. Thomas Aquinas, what does it mean to be drawn to Christ or to come to him? 
One of the interpretations says that it is simply as we grow in perfection in the spiritual life. That is how we are more deeply drawn to him. That we come to know him in our minds, in his truth. That we receive his truth with understanding. That we listen and hear and that our mind is transformed as we truly put on the mind of Christ, as St. Paul says. And in that, we are coming to Christ, being drawn to him in our mind. But also that it doesn't just remain an intellectual exercise, but is animated by deep love. That the more we come to know the goodness of Christ, the more our heart burns for him. And so what St. Thomas says is the another way in which we are drawn to Christ is as we are slowly and by degrees captivated by him. That he captivates our heart. That we see that he is not only just deserving of love, but actually is the one object that our heart has always longed for, God himself. And so the more we come to know him, the more we are captivated by him, drawn to him. But also is that he appears in this humble form that they cannot grasp, they cannot understand. And so also for us, as we encounter the bread of life, Christ himself, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Blessed Sacrament, it takes for us to contemplate this mystery, to think about it, to think about the one who is present to us, so that our mind might be drawn to him and that our heart might be, again, burning with love for him, might be set afire with that love. And lastly, what St. Thomas says, to come to Christ is not only to have our mind transformed by him and to have our heart on fire with love for him, but then also that our life is a perfect imitation of his own life. Or more truly, that St. Paul says, that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That the Lord is then the one who animates us, directs us, and lives again through us for the sanctification of others that we can, like Philip, continue the work of Christ in this world as we draw souls to the graces of Christ that are present in the sacraments, but at their culmination to Christ himself who is with us in the blessed sacrament. That this is the center of our spiritual life. This is the center of the universe. Jesus who is here present to us, the bread of life, giving us his own flesh as food and sustaining us in this journey. Amen.